0: It's time for Lost Cast, the Lost Decade Games Podcast. Welcome to Lost Cast episode two oh nine. I'm Matt Hackett. And I'm Jeff Blair. January is over. Today's the last day. Midnight it's not, today.
1: It's not quite over yet. It's uh it's one forty five uh, on the West Coast now, so Yeah.
0: It's midnight somewhere. It's
1: midnight, Sorry. The jam is over somewhere. No, it's uh I think it's ten no, it's midnight. Mountain Central <laughs> C- C- Yeah,
0: I, I actually will be using the rest of the the day to kind of polish a little bit the rough edges, the really rough edges in uh, my entry. Oh, I think oh. this is the first that we've heard that you had an entry. Yeah, I hadn't really planned on it, but uh, kind of, I don't Jams know. Jams happen, man. Jams just happen sometimes, you know? Weekends happen and and you get into it. How's uh, how's your going? How's the Raycaster?
1: It's going, uh... This last weekend, ish, was the last weekend. I added um, a trap that spits fireballs at you on an interval. Ooh! And I and I drew this little like, you know, creepy face that goes onto a wall tile. Oh yeah, I think
0: you posted that in uh, Discord.
1: I did. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it's not the hardest trap to avoid in the world, but <laughs> it, I mean, you could go okay. post some interesting rooms. Like I made a room where, uh there's like a little interior area and it's got like the fireball throwing things on the walls and there's like a key in the middle. So you kind of have to like time your movement through the room to get to the key. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not super exciting, but um, it's interesting actually. Like I I think that I kind of got sort of lost in the engineering as, as as I do. What you? Yeah, never, (laughs) never. Uh, I started building like a state machine for my AI because i was like oh you know now i'm kind of at the point where i want to build uh a bunch of ai stuff and then i just you know a state machine is not a very difficult thing to build necessarily but i kind of found myself like getting sidetracked with all the various decisions about like okay where does the state live and you know how do you execute like what context do you execute the state's functions in and you know how does it have access to the entity so that it can change properties you know all that kind of stuff yeah um and i was like no 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 (laughs) No, no, good. Um, And so I just was like, you know what? I already have components. I'm just gonna make uh, the AI for this trap. Like they're all like all the things in this game should be simple. So I I should be able to implement them all within their own components. um, You know, with relatively little overlap. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a little bit of you know like uh, wait for this long. Um, But I already have like a a simple state system, like you know, like we have in our other games, which is basically just an array of Sort of keys that you have attached to some entity for some amount of time, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, you have the cooldown state for fifteen hundred milliseconds or whatever.
0: Yeah, so it's a key value pair, right? Yeah, so like cooldown colon five hundred, be cooldown five hundred milliseconds. Yeah, I like that. It's very simple.
1: So like, I can use that to kind of control the flow of the behaviors, right? So then the state for the fireball shooting thing becomes pretty simple. It's just, you know if you have the cooldown state don't do anything and if you don't have the cooldown state shoot a fireball and then set the cooldown state to you know some interval 500 milliseconds 1000 milliseconds whatever and there you go and and you know no state machines needed nice
0: so you you got off into the weeds the engineering weeds right uh-huh and but you this time you you saw like hey I'm in the weeds right like you knew about it and then you retreated that's good i did yes progress <laughs>
1: I think you know if it were to become a full game with many entities and stuff it would need a, a better solution for the AI just because you know as we've experienced before you know if you're trying to do a lot of complicated enemy behavior um some kind of a state machine is really excellent for that at least
0: Yeah I think these days my thing is I'm not terribly interested in complicated enemy behavior I'm interested in it becoming complicated because there's so much going on in the world, but the individual parts, you know, I want those to be really simple. Yeah. That's where I'm at recently.
1: No, nah, it's a good place to be. It makes sense, especially for the jam stuff, right? Like, keep it simple, stupid.
0: <laughs> Kiss. So you had told me, I think it was um, off the cast, though, offline, you were telling me about uh, this kind of overarching concept you had for this jam, right? <sighs> yeah did, i did you want to talk about that or is that like a jeff secret
1: no no i'll talk about it especially because it's probably not gonna come to fruition
0: oh really well i haven't heard about that part so uh <laughs> did, did you like did you explore it and get to a point where you're like oh that won't make sense because xyz or like what happened just timing i mean
1: i didn't spend a whole lot of time on so basically like i had you know i was kind of making this jam game and, and like i didn't exactly know where it was going you know i was kind of like oh Raycaster, it's so much fun yeah um which it was, right? And then you and I were talking about game design as we do. Like we and, do. <laughs> like we do. And uh, I had this idea, right? Like, so, so, you know, I recognized that, like, hey, this is, a, this is a decision point, right? Where this prototype is, like, sort of mechanically sound, right? Like, I got all the stuff in there that was sort of a must from the perspective of, like, hey, it works, right? Yeah. You know, like you have collision, you have, you know, the ray casted view, you have some hazards, you have some health points, you know, all those interactions work, there's collision, whatever else, you know, all the kind of fundamentals that I would need for mostly any direction that I wanted to take that particular prototype were there. And then I get to this point, this this is kind of where I, I drop off on a lot of projects, I think, right, is that you get to the point where you're like, now I need some
0: game design right (laughs) what game design in a game that's nuts you just need code and objects and sprites come
1: on And mechanics and yeah that's it um so you know i was trying to think like what can i do to keep this simple and have it be sort of like an interesting experience and then i also wanted to tie it back to like the ldg January theme because you know why not although as you and i were discussing the other day like does the fact that you and I made it automatically make it LDG canon <laughs> <Yes>. and therefore <laughs> acceptable no matter what it is? I think um, you can get away with that yeah, because it's a jam. It it. Yeah. But I wanted to put like, you know, some self-referential things in there, I guess. <clears throat> so anyways, what I, the idea I had, and I still think this is a good idea. However, I haven't taken it to the finish line And therefore, it is untested. But
0: I I think it's really cool, and I think even uh, if you don't finish that for the jam, like finish something for the jam, you know, if you got time. But I think you should explore this um, outside of that. You know, give it a little more time. It's cool, anyway. Continue. Yeah, I'm gonna let you finish. (laughs) I don't remember. I'm gonna let you finish, but but it's a cool idea. It is. I like it.
1: Um, I don't know how I got onto this subject of mythology. Um, what was it? I think. Oh
0: i think you're always stuck on that you you love it you've always loved that loved what oh mythology yeah it's
1: like always the back of your mind you know like you never really leave it so there's this new show on netflix oh (laughs) okay is it? and it's called it's um it's it's like a re whatever uh re re (laughs) Re whatevering it's a reboot of the (laughs) all these re
0: whatevers (laughs) can't Can't they leave old ip alone (laughs) i know right Sorry, go ahead.
1: <laughs> it's a reboot or revamp of the lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events. Oh yeah, yeah. Doogie Howser's on it. Yeah, with Doogie Howser, right? Yeah, MPH, or better known as legendary guy from How <laughs> I Met Your Mother. <laughs> yes, I don't know, maybe not better known. Anyways, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, he's great, and it's hilarious. Anyways, and there's this one point in the story where they're like in this hedge maze, and it looks like a labyrinth. That it reminded me of the labyrinth from you know Greek mythology right and there's like a minotaur in the, in the center and it's like this terrifying creature right and you know the story is about this guy and he goes in and blah 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 and I think he kills the minotaur at the end yep um but it was sort of like struck this chord with me because uh I thought that that was like a fitting environment for my game and also has the benefit of keeping it really simple right because I would only need one monster right you need the player which I've got and you need the minotaur or whatever right and so i decided that i wanted to make it a tiger tour in honor of tiger hattery love it and uh <clears throat> my best. hope was to basically like i, I and the other thing i don't have in my game right now is like level transitions so there's a level and the level can be fairly large um although i haven't really taken it to scale to see how many entities would start to make it crap out you know or whatever Ooh,
0: you should um i should but um you know, I want because- to see how far it goes, too, just with the ray casting engine. You know what I mean? Have you tested that? Have you put in, like, a thousand by thousand grid with like mostly empty space and just looked at it? So for the visualization of the walls, it's not a problem because the way the
1: ray caster works is that it casts rays only in the field of view from your character. Right. And so as soon as it hits a wall, it stops looking. And so the fact that there's... 800 cells that it didn't have to raycast doesn't really make that much difference. The only time it would make a difference is if you didn't bound your range, right? Right, and and, and you had a really huge room, right? That, that would be the yeah, only yeah. time. But because, it, when you have small corridors, it's really not an issue. Like I could have a map, a huge map, and it would render just as fast. Cool. Nice. Uh, the entities are a different problem because you need to do some checking to see if they're on the screen a lot of times and how much of them are on the screen also because they can be kind of clipped by the the walls as well and because it's not really rendered in true 3d right the walls are rendered first in in one pass like you know ray casting and uh the enemy sprites are then like so for example like if you wanted to draw a bat and it was like halfway behind a wall Mm -hmm. like you would basically keep track of like sort of like a depth buffer when you're Drawing the walls. And then right. when you go to draw the bat, you're like, okay, I know the bat's here and I know he's this far away from the player. So I'm going to start drawing the bat in the same manner, right? You don't just like say, hey, here's a sprite. I'm going to paste it on the screen. You say, I'm going to draw the bat in vertical columns, right? Just like I would with the walls um, at whatever distance from the camera. <clears throat> and then you do a depth check to see if the bat is behind, like if that X value for the bat is behind a wall. And then you just stop drawing. Or, you know, maybe he's, you can see him on both sides or whatever. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um it's kind of
0: interesting that way, right? Or it's so it? cool. Yeah. I remember first learning about that in like a, you know, Windows computer programming book or something like that. And I was just like, oh, cool. It doesn't just draw the whole sprite. It draws it clipped. It's so clever. Yeah. Smart, man. um So anyways, but beyond
1: just the drawing of the sprites and the checking to see if they're on screen, um there's also like, you know, Entity behavior, right? Like do the entities move around the entire time you're not near them? Right? Like in a game like Splunky, right? Uh stuff happens far away on the map from you, right? There's no there's no range check about whether
0: entities can move around while you're not around them. Uh if it was almost any other game, I would just shut up. <laughs> but with Splunky, there's a little bit of that going on, right? There's stuff like the frogs. Will only jump at you when you're close, but you are right because like when you first get into a lot of ice level uh, or ice <laughs> ice levels when they first start off, you really want to sit there a minute to let the dust settle, right? right. Because um, I think it's the uh, little UFO dudes, little aliens, they move regardless of where you're at, and so a lot of times they get themselves into shenanigans and they explode, and you know right. death ensues, right? Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like uh, they, they, they use both methods, and yeah. Well, I don't think it's both. I think that the entities run their tick, right?
1: things happen to the entities and the entities run their take it just so happens that the frog ai responds to the player or whatever right yeah within a range like it doesn't respond to the player across the entire map but that doesn't mean that it's not you know quote-unquote thinking right it's it's still getting like an update event probably it's just like hey is the player near me no okay i'm not gonna do anything right i'm gonna stay here like a frog on a log (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly oh no the jackhammering is starting again well
0: what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Well, hopefully it doesn't get picked up by the mic too much. Hope not. I had some sirens earlier. You know, it's uh, it's game dev. Sometimes there's jackhammering in the background. <laughs> Sometimes there's. Sorry. Well, we are back with maybe less jackhammering. <laughs> maybe maybe less. similar amounts of jackhammering. <laughs> uh, either way, we were talking about raycasting. Yes. Um, for January. Yeah, I was just
1: sort of talking about my. Ray casting jammy or entry anyway. So my grand plan was that, uh, I would create a single level, you know, that you didn't have to, you know, there didn't need to be doors. I mean, I guess there's doors, but there didn't need to be like warps to other levels. Yeah. Right. Cause that's just something that I hadn't done yet. I mean, it's not the most difficult thing to do, but I have lots
0: of thoughts about that, but I mean, I don't want to derail you, but I'm gonna make a note here because I have lots of thoughts about loading <laughs> levels and scenes and stuff. Go on. Excellent. <laughs> um, so, you know, I
1: didn't I didn't want my design to be contingent on that feature necessarily, right? I was trying to think about, like, what can I do with just the pieces I have so far, which is, like, you can load up a level, there's things you can collide with, and there's, like, some, you know, work-in-progress health mortal-type mechanics. That's everything um, you need to make a game right there. Oh, and there's keys and doors. Ship it. Yes. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so I was, like this would be perfect. You know, what I'll do is I'll create one like fairly large level, right? A labyrinth because the ray casting engine, it plays that strength. Like we just talked about uh, a few minutes ago. Yep. Uh, the ray casting engine is actually pretty good at, you know, only drawing what's in front of the camera and not really caring about the rest of the level at all. Um, so that was an advantage, right? Um, also because like keeping the entities light, um, not only did I not really have to worry about how performant the game got when you had a large level of lots of entities, I also didn't really have to worry about making a whole bunch of interesting entities uh behavior wise right yeah, Because um, that's an area where I, I tend to get stuck a lot, right is like okay, like let's start, you know here's a bat and it like wanders around and then here's the next thing, and it's even more complicated, and here's the next thing, and you know blah blah blah. And it and feels like, like
0: every that, time you make something, it demands more content, right? And it feels like yeah. you're never done. I made a bat, but that demands a goblin, and that demands a troll, and that demands a boss. And okay, now we need another level with a whole new set of monsters. Yeah. So I really didn't want to go down that route. So, you
1: know, I thought that just having the one, basically, and well, the other thing we talked about, maybe off the cast or on the cast, was that how much easier some traps would be to make behaviorally, right? Like, uh, like a toggle spikes, like an on off spikes, or like we talked about the um, wall thing that shoots projectiles either on an interval or when the player's detected, like that's all pretty easy behavior. Yep. Um, so I was like, I was already kind of thinking in my head along these lines of like, what if it's sort of like a trap based system, like um, it's like a trap based experience, right? Where you're like trying to get sort of like Indiana Jones, maybe like mm-hmm. you're trying to get to some location Um, I had a couple ideas actually one of my earlier ideas too is like uh, you start in a location and you want to get to the center and you have to like get a thing right maybe like the tiger hat of something or another (laughs) and then you know it's like one of these things where like as soon as you pick it up uh some state in the dungeon changes right and now there's like falling rocks or whatever you know yep um and you have to get back to the entrance so I was like oh that's that's a nice thing I could do with just a single level right like you go in You get the thing, and then you have to get back out, but the condition has made it harder to get out for whatever reason. Right. Um, But then I didn't really know what the it's harder to get out meant, right? It's like it sounds well and good in your head, right? Where you're like, oh, yeah, like you pick up this thing, and it triggers this state, and now, like, you know, the walls are crumbling down. It's the death mechanic in ABL. Yeah. It's different now. (laughs) It's different now, yeah. Um, But I didn't really know what that was, you know, and I didn't really... Think that I had the time to really figure out, like, okay, let's do like falling rocks and like, how are those drawn and like, you know, where to have, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All that stuff. um It probably wouldn't be too difficult, but it also, like, you know, in a first person, it might feel kind of cheap, right, to get hit by a rock that you didn't see right above you, right? Because you don't really have good vision of stuff. Correct. Anyway, so then I was like, you know, and I also had, this is actually a good example of like, making mechanics before I was ready right but I also had these combat mechanics like the player can shoot fireballs and things can take damage the player can take damage and I was like well if I only have traps right like what what can I do with combat that I already have Um, and that's where the single monster idea started to get even better right because it's like okay great like you just have this one monster and it has a bunch of health right probably and it kind of just has a single singular behavior where it chases you throughout the dungeon, which should be relatively easy to to program and whatnot. Um, so that was kind of the grand idea, right? Is that you start in some location, you have to go to the center, and there's a Tiger Tor that hunts you down and, you know, wants to kill you.
0: Reminds me of like Jaws or Friday the 13th from Nintendo. And these days, uh, I don't play horror games, but I'm pretty sure that that's the um, general premise to some of these games. I don't know if it's for, um, Five Nights at Freddy's or one of the um, Amnesia games has some of that going on in there. But I love that, the uh, like being hunted by something more powerful than you. Yes. I don't know. That's, that's a cool uh, dynamic there.
1: Yeah, I think so too. So I also got a suggestion from uh, JL Reed on Twitter he uh, was talking about using the wands as a puzzle mechanic, which I thought was sort of interesting, kind of based on the talk we had last week about portals and stuff. Um, that still felt a little overwhelming for my jam just because, you know, puzzles are, as, I, I, as I've experienced, hard to develop sometimes, right? Like, yeah, they require a lot of thought in order to make the puzzles challenging and interesting, typically, which I really enjoy, but, you know, it's a lot of... It's a lot of effort. It's a
0: lot of time for sure.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, It'll Do, right? is like a, a Zelda-like that's very puzzle-focused. Right. I can't even imagine the amount of, you know, time that went into each of those rooms probably. Mm-hmm. A lot of work, and- man. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of where I wanted to be, but where I'm at is like, hey, there's a trap that shoots fireballs and you can shoot fireballs <laughs> and there's keys and doors and there's a level and yeah. Although I guess like I would really only need two big tasks, right? One would be to create the tiger tour and the behavior, uh, which, you know, man, if I had, if I had like the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the muse, you know, I feel uh, like- yes. If I was kind of in the zone, I could knock that out in just a few hours, probably. Because I've done stuff like that before programmatically, so it wouldn't be that challenging. But it's, yeah, you know, designing bosses or boss-like things is sometimes hard.
0: Yeah, I would approach that personally just from the, uh, like, okay, it just chase algorithm, right? Like, it just moves towards you, has A-star algorithm, and it just moves from cell to cell until it's closer to you. That yeah. kind of thing. And then work from there as your starting point, you know, like, um, I think you could kite it around, like that could already create a bunch of interesting scenarios. Maybe it moves, uh, faster or slower as it gets, you know, further Angrier. from here, closer to you. Mm. Angrier. Yeah. Yeah. As it gets lower health, it gets stronger or something. But like those, Ooh, yeah, those like are the that. things you could play with. Uh, but at first, you know, it's just this constant thing. It just moves towards cells coming at you. And that, that would be already be a lot to play with. Um, and it certainly isn't like, uh, you haven't done that kind of thing before. Like you could, yeah, you could probably code that in your sleep. Right. Mm-hmm so i don't know that sounds really cool to me i, I like the because um, like we were talking i think just in the most recent podcast about how when you're looking at like a zelda perspective like overhead you have a lot more to see right and right. that's one of the things about like that's what you get with that raycasting engine is this kind of claustrophobic view like just this little slice of, of the world around you that you can see and because of that you know when you're running away from the monster you might have to like not look at it right and it's hidden yeah. from view, and yeah, that's like why a lot of horror games these days are first person. It's really a, uh, it's a great perspective for uh, for being chased. That was a uh, yeah one of the final reasons why I really liked the idea
1: was because it kind of felt like it had this emotional environment that I wanted, or at least that I I thought was cool, right? Like and harmonized together, like you're talking about, right? Like yeah. You know, you kind of feel vulnerable because you can't really see and you have this big badass monster that's like barreling down at you and you kind of have to like, you know, I, I already programmed the movement so that like uh, you move slower backwards than you do forwards. Nice. So, you know, you can't just like run backwards and shoot it. I mean, you can, but you know, if you really want to get away, you got to turn around and run. And that kind of creates that fear too, where you're like, I'm trying to get away and I, but I can't see what's behind me necessarily. Right. And I wanted to have some sound effects and stuff, you know, like some grunting and some like footsteps and that kind of thing to kind of make it feel ominous. Yeah. Um, Something I'm trying to do more is at least think about sort of like the experience as a whole, right? I think we talked about it on previous casts, but like, you know, I think really well done games at their core, they kind of offer you this very uh, emotional thing, right? Like, Darkest Dungeon, I think, is a great success because it kind of, like, is made around this idea of, like, you know, the stress of, of dungeon crawling and stuff. And like that's a powerful emotional response. I think it works really well.
0: Yeah, that's, like, a core tenant, right? I think that's the reason that we like a lot of things that we do is because they're built around this core thing. Even if you don't see it sometimes, you know, like, you might look at one of your favorite games from childhood and be like, what, it was a game about, you know airships and dragons and swords and spells like that's what i got from it you're like no really at its core it was a game about love or you know what i mean like it had some underlying theme like no it was about man versus nature right it was about good versus evil or it was about uh how family members tear each other apart like it has something there that everything else is built around but you you don't see it necessarily sometimes because there's so much cool stuff going on there's decoration and there's battle and there's interesting characters you know yeah but they had that one guiding light sometimes and that's that's why they were as good as they were.
1: I think that, you know, Final Fantasy Tactics is a good example of that too. Like one of the reasons I really enjoyed that game so much is because I thought that the story was pretty interesting. You know, it's kind of like this. You know, there's like some religion in there and some like kind of class warfare, rich versus poor and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh I didn't quite get all that done. You know, I I probably don't have a lot of time tonight we'll see um but maybe I, th- I think what'll end up probably happening is that i'll take the pieces i have and i'll make them into like a level that feels okay to traverse nice because that was the other big piece i haven't done yet right is like one is design the tiger tour and the other one would be to you know really design the level so that you know it's interesting and it makes interesting use of the keys and the doors and that kind of thing
0: yeah i'm a big advocate recently of like. um getting the stuff you've got on your board, right? Like your your game board is the way I look at it, right? And then with those pieces just arrange them in a way that's like presentable, you know? Yeah. Because like for for I, best, I bet most people's jams, right? You're probably not going to get as far along as you wanted or um have all the features that you wanted or all the content you wanted, but like, you know, right right now for me, for example, like I've got some things on the table and I'm not really going to add any more cuz I'm basically out of time, but I still have time to like arrange them nicely, you know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. and like shine them a little bit, like spray some paint here and there, like that kind of a thing. But uh, anyway, I'm a big fan of that. So like if there's only time for to, for you to do like one thing, uh, what I'd love to see is just like take what you've got there and make, hey, like, here's a fun little thing, you know, like here's some challenges up ahead, with some traps, you know, here's yeah. a little maze where you might get lost, like just the things that you've already got on your game board. And then, yeah, just present those nicely. Like take the mechanics I
1: have and, and make some content around it, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just finish it. Mortal Kombat ship style. It. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. ship it. Exactly. So, uh, let's hear what you're working on. Yeah, so, um, I kind of wanted to work on something, and I had uh, some extra time over the weekend, and um, I think that, so I talked a little bit about this on the, uh, the Patreon podcast. Matt said it, uh, where I'm talking a little bit about my thing, which is like um, harmonizing stuff, you know? And a big part of harmony is like um, multiple sources of heat. You know what I mean? And we talked about this uh, on the podcast before. I forget. I've already forget the term, but there's some kind of like um, marketing thing. Remember when like okay, hear about a game once, hear about a game three times, hear about a game five times, then finally you'll buy it. Yes. That kind of thing. Um, so I, I finally uh, I was like, all right, fine. I'll I'll look into Unity. Jeez, <laughs> is it sufficient <laughs> brainwashing? uh exactly that's exactly what it is yeah now a buddy of mine is he's telling me i should check it out um another buddy of mine uh, was telling me that there's a potential uh project uh, on the horizon um, um my brother uh, his new uh vr company they're using it so and uh you know obviously you were a big fan of it in the past um it's just like i'm like all right fine fine it's t- time for Matt to learn unity time for Matt. yeah because i also wanted to make something and like um you know, with, with Soul Thief where it's at and having finished indie game Sim on top of Gin, I feel um like like Gin is feeling kind of stale to me at the mm-hmm. moment, you know? Like earlier uh in the year I was really hot on it and I made a brand new game in it and all that good stuff. I guess that was last year at this point. Oh my god. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you know, at the timing was right and then yeah, multiple multiple sources telling me, Matt, check it out. So decided to do that. And uh Unity's awesome, it's really easy to use no surprise there. Uh, It's been really easy to pick up. Um, My strategy was I just started to look at tutorials that caught my interest and ones that made sense to me. you know. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I just kind of wanted to get to the point where I had like some fertile ground and then build a jam out of that. And so I was looking at, uh, you know, the theme of the jam is LDG stuff. So I was looking obviously for like, if there's any tutorials about Blades LBG. made out of lava. <laughs> yeah, tutorial how to make an LDG game uh, in Unity. What? Uh, or you know, anything with lizards or some kind of magic wizard thingy or or something. Um, I had some like a couple of ideas that were really dumb. Then I saw this one Unity uh, tutorial that was what I used for the basis, and it, they were calling it like a casual jewel mining game or something. Okay. So picture this. Um, you got your, your video game screen, whether a computer screen. Let's say a computer screen. It could also be on a phone, but let's say a computer screen. At the top is a head. Call it, let's call it the miner, And it rotates left and right just on a timer. And then below it is like a matrix, like, like a jewel grid board, right? Okay. And uh, you, when you tap on the screen or click your mouse or whatever, the miner shoots out like a projectile. And the first thing it touches, it'll like pull it back. So it's like a tractor beam right okay and your goal is to like avoid the rocks and get the gems and that's the game and i saw that and i'm like lizard tongue chip it (laughs) (laughs) lizard tongue chip it yeah so that's what i did and um i think it was jay in discord hooked me up with his super badass uh raga 3d model so i stuck raga's head in there and it's awesome because he's winking he's got an (laughs) eye closed super cool um I made my own stupid little prefabs in Unity. Uh, there's a rock as a cube, so fancy. I made a l- little wizard head out of just primitives. Hmm. I think I saw that on Twitter or
1: something, or in Discord.
0: Yeah, in Discord. Um, I also there's these clocks to extend your amount of time, and they have spinning, rotating um, uh, hands. Hmm. To indicate the time. Uh, what else? I? I added a B that just does it does nothing, but I felt like a B should be there. <laughs> so, because I'm after all, I am experimenting with three B graphics. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I was yeah. hoping we could make it to the podcast without that pun. But. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Um. What else we got? So you
1: modeled all these things in Unity? Or not in Unity. What did you model these things in? Unity. <laughs> Wait, you can model stuff in Unity?
0: <laughs> not really, no. You can create primitive shapes like oh, cylinders and... You
1: know, cubes. so you just constructed these game entities as a hierarchy of shapes and stuff. Three D shapes, yeah. No, like that's my very smart.
0: Yes, I am very smart. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, kid, I, kid. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, you like know,
1: the... for like just getting started, right? Because, like, exactly. I think exactly. I remember when I got started with some Unity tutorials, like trying to use actual three D models, like and import the model and like the texturing, and I was like, oh my god,
0: too much. <laughs> too much. No, dude. Okay, like there, there's a lot to be said just about. um being able to to do tutorials well i i have a lot to say about this uh but when i was doing this official unity tutorial i think it was from uh from unity right it was too complicated because like the first thing they wanted you to do was go to the asset store and download these gem prefabs and i was like groaning i'm like no I, I just want it to be pure and simple like yes i'm learning don't send me to the store yet i feel like that's a that's step five or something and i'm on step one or two you know uh, like, but I did it, I'm trying to follow the tutorial, and these gems come in, and they're clearly from a different version, and they're all screwed up, and like the scale's way off, and when it came to actually implementing the game, they weren't colliding the way they were supposed to, and I've been there before, I know other people are doing it's frustrating to me, your drop-off's gonna be crazy there, you're gonna get so many people who are trying game dev, and they get there, and they're like, This doesn't work, I'm out, I tried making games, now, forget it. My dreams never come true. You know what I mean? <laughs> my dreams I'm, never I'm come. frustrated for them. But like me, I know better. I'm like, no, screw these stupid gems. They're a pain in my ass. No asset store. I made my own little cube and I was like, there you go. So I was using my own cubes instead of their stuff, right? And from there, yeah. I was like, can I make a sphere? Yes. Can I make a wizard head? Kind of. Can I make a, <laughs> a bee? You're damn right. So anyway, that's the evolution of that stuff. Yeah. I think
1: it's smart, right? Like, And it kind of like... um. You know, a lot of it kind of comes down to your experience, right, with programming that you know that, like, well, I know that the code is basically the same no matter what the model looks like, right? Because, like, the code probably just referenced, like, hey, this entity, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And so it didn't really matter if that entity was a prefab you bought from the store or it's something you just made in Unity from scratch, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, an earlier version of me would have just been confused by everything that was happening and overwhelmed and, and stuff's not working and I don't know what to do and I give up. Right, but yeah, that's exactly what it was because I know that every, pretty much everything in Unity is based off of a game object, and that's all I needed was a game object so I could call a method like compare tags or something. And you can attach tags arbitrarily to almost anything. So that's all it was was here's this gem with these weird models and textures and meshes that just aren't kind of working in this project. Cut them, they're gone. Here's a here's a plain cube. It's gray, right? But I mm-hmm. added the correct tab uh, tag to it. And it works just as fine. And that's the thing, too, with the, the tutorial, right? Like, it's almost aggressively bad to throw something more complicated because it didn't it need to be anything other than a cube. No. The, the miner, as they call it, was, was just a cube, you know? Like, there's no actual graphics anywhere else in the game. It's like it's, I don't know, trying to do too much at once, you know? Like, there should later be a tutorial for, like, here's how you add gems instead of, right? Yeah,
1: it should be, like, a step thing, right? It's like, first, like, here, do it with boxes, right? exactly and yeah, then and step the two is like thing. now since this looks like butt, here's how you'd make <laughs> it you know look great by downloading this stuff yeah i think that like you know that one of the major criticisms of unity right is that it's kind of like you get a lot of these like really samey asset store type of games right and like it's weird because you get to look at the incentives right like they probably profit whenever people download things off the asset store so it's like From like sort of like game loop perspective, right? Or gamification or Mm, just monetization model. That's true. They probably want to design the tutorials to really push you towards the asset store. It's like, you got a problem? Asset store solves it. You know, it's kind of like in a free to play game, right? Where they're like, I bet you hate waiting. Guess what? For the low, low price of blah, blah, blah. You know?
0: Interesting. Yeah. So maybe the uh, the tutorial was like influenced from, uh, you know, like, hey, you know, if you so much as just, hey, mention the asset store, like one piece in this puzzle could be through the asset store, we're going to increase our revenue, you know? Because think about
1: how often this happens, right? Like someone's like, I want to make a game. I'm going to start making a game in Unity. Like they go to the asset store, they buy a bunch of crap, and they get frustrated <laughs> trying to put it all together into an actual game. And they've spent a whole bunch of money in the asset store with... You know, nothing to show for it.
0: Oh, yeah. Dude, that's happening. You're right. That's happening to people. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. I mean, I get caught up in that, too, because... um, I mean, with the jam, it's a little different, because you're... you're trying to make something more than just, like, here's a little prototype or here's a gray box thing. You know, you're not prototyping to find the fun to build something bigger like a six-month or year-long project, you know? Right. So, like, you are, I think, with a jam trying to turn this, you know, really rudimentary thing you're working on into something presentable. And that's what I was doing with just, like, okay, what's the very next step away from here is literally just a cube as a game object that i expect people to interact with you know and so it's like like one step up is here's something unity can do out of the box Well, I think no no 3d modeler at all yeah because in the jam context it's it's good
1: yeah it's like you know you got a game object that has a hierarchy and so you can have n game objects that are all sort of grouped together yeah and as soon as you can have multiple cubes you can start drawing with that essentially right right that's great yeah so
0: how how far along are you is it done is it done? Oh, it's never done. Um, You know, the whole thing works. So there's a title scene with like the generic skybox and all the default text mm-hmm. and nothing else. But it shows you um a high score, which it saves in your player prefs, right? Mm-hmm. It's got a button. It says play and you can click on it. And it nice. sends you directly into the next scene with no transitions and no, like it even cuts, it plays a sound and like cuts it off because it happens like the transition happens so fast. It's It's so pro. It's totally pro. And then that takes you directly into the game scene where it plays some AWL music. And then your Raga head is rotating back and forth. There was all kinds of bugs with the um, the actual, like, the, you stick your tongue out and you grab stuff and pull it back in. Yeah. That was crazy. Because, like, it was interesting because the first thing I did was I wanted to add um, velocity to all the objects. I wanted to make them move. That's more fun, right? And But there was this nasty bug where you would spit your tongue out at nothing and it would just stop in the middle of the air. And I was like, why is that, Right. And it's because the way the tutorial did it, it uses a a ray cast. So basically the moment you fire your tongue, it shoots it out, goes and grabs something, and it comes back. But the moment you've fired it, it does a ray cast to figure out what will happen. So that's what it depends on happening. It sends it out to a target. And when it gets there, if no collision happened, it's like, wait, something changed, you know? And that's the thing. I was like throwing a wrench in my own plans. I was making stuff harder for me than it needed to be, right? Because I wanted to add something more to the game that I wasn't ready for, right? So I was like, here's some movement. Here's some more uh, gameplay depth. But I ended up having to take out all the movement because um, it would have been a pretty big refactor to get that to work. Like, I still kind of want to do that, but that's not what this jam is, right? But it sounds like you'd have to have a much more complicated collision. Although, why
1: couldn't you just use like Unity's built-in collision, right? Like, if you just say like, hey, all of these uh, things are collidable right the collidable component Mm -hmm. and like all of the game objects when you implement like the mono behavior for them um, there's a hook for like hey I
0: collided with something right yep see that's the thing I mean you can like I I know how to do that although I think that I'm probably gonna have to look up a handful of methods probably yeah Uh, yeah, but it's just a matter of doing it right it's the kind of thing where like if it was in JavaScript I'd be like oh let me do that real quick but done but in Unity, I'm more like, yeah, I should do it that way. I think I know how to do it. Let me and then I'll, I'll need like two or three hours. <laughs> and see, then it'll be I done. Think that's another sign of a bad tutorial, right? Is like, it
1: kind of does things in like, it doesn't even do it in like the Unity way, right? Like, <laughs> I feel like the tutorial should be focusing on like, use all of the built in pieces. Like, don't, I mean, I know that Unity has ray casting built in, but like, that's sort of a, I think, more advanced topic.
0: It is, yeah, it's kind of weird. I think with the tutorials. Um, the only real way to go... I think is doing it right. You know, like, I pick on tutorial area, but that's just, that's just my nature. I just... I poke holes and stuff. The tutorial, the fact that it exists is brilliant. And the fact that there's dozens, if not hundreds, from Unity and from others, like third parties as well, making these awesome tutorials is, is great. And I do think with tutorials, it is kind of quantity over quality. I hate to say it, right? Like, we can pick apart this tutorial. Like, I I can complain about this or that, about this minor tutorial... But the reality is, I'm not going to learn everything I want to know from this tutorial. I'm not really going to learn everything I want to know from two tutorials. I'm going to pick bits and pieces out of three tutorials. Right. And that will solve the puzzle that is what I have in front of me. You know, because there's no other perfect analog. It's really hard to find a tutorial that meets your version of unity that doesn't have any weird dependencies or like i can't afford this or i don't want to buy that or that doesn't work on my computer like that doesn't exist right like maybe once in a blue moon the this you know tutorial uh is just perfect for you but usually you solve your problems through multiple sources and so because of that i think it's great because you know like this minor tutorial had all kinds of fantastic stuff for me to to learn you know yeah anyway i'm kind of babbling <laughs> as uh, as we do i mean i just like as i was learning this new this new thing i'm just noticing all these problems and i'm noticing that like i'm better at learning now especially with like the thing that you want to learn is here's this really big bloated piece of complicated software right like that in and of itself is a thing that you can be good at right like if you give say avid or like final cut pro to certain people they're going to be like i don't know what's going on like after effects you know what i mean oh yeah logic pro cubase reason Clip Studio Paint, Photoshop, uh, Adobe Illustrator, like all of these complicated software packages, each and every single one of them have their own ocean of depth and all this stuff to learn. But you being good at corralling this really complicated software, that in and of itself is a really valuable skill. And I have noticed I've leveled up in that regard, you know, because nice. Unity, it's it's not, like I don't open it up and I'm not scared anymore. I open it up and I'm like, I know all this, st-. like I don't know all of it, but like I know yeah. how to figure it out. That's, that's the difference, right? Because before I'd be like, look, it's a total black box to me. I see this inspector thing here. I don't know what it means. There's windows everywhere. I move something and I don't know how to get it back. Like I quit. <laughs> yeah. I'm no longer like that. And these days I'm like, oh, I lost a window. I know what to do. Window, like view. Like, you know what I mean? Like I know what to Google for. Like it's all doable. Yeah. That's what I'm saying.
1: That's good. Yeah, that's a good place to be with any tool, right? Like
0: yeah, understanding it to the point where you're not intimidated anymore. Exactly. Yeah. The intimidation process. Because like that's. That's a sign that you're on the path to getting to flow, right? Where it feels like an extension of your hands, right? And you no longer have any questions like, you know, a super pro Unity developer would be like that all the time in Unity, right? Like, like oh man, I haven't come across anything I don't understand in months, you know? Like, yeah, dictionaries, 3D objects, importing models, like it's it's all easy for me. Uh, and I'm not, I'm nowhere near there yet, but I'm at least like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm treading water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not drowning in the sea. i not, not drowning in the sea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so my current plan is I want to like, um, i just get as far as I can with it today, basically. Um, you know, I got other stuff going on today, including this freaking podcast and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> I just kind of want to like polish off some of the rough edges. Um, yes. And I mean, it is an actual game. It's extremely shallow. There's two scenes exactly: a title scene and a gameplay scene, but uh, I think it'll be a complete playable, garbagey experience. <laughs> Sounds awesome. yeah, good stuff. Anywho, um, we would love to see your jams. I was thinking about doing something where like maybe in the discord we could hang out like tomorrow and, and uh, we could like have a <clears throat> jam party and like play everybody's stuff yes Something like that that sounds cool i like that idea yeah we will discuss in the discord i don't know what like it's impossible to get everyone um because everybody's in such different time zones and stuff i don't want uh the fomo is real man i don't want to upset uh,
1: maybe we should do like a breakdown on the next podcast where we just talk about all the entries Oh, yeah you know yeah. just like say a couple sentences about each one i don't know how many there's going to be total Maybe we could talk for 15 minutes about each one. 3,000.
0: No. Uh, no. Yeah, no. there's not going to be that many. We should totally um, go through them. And but yeah, we should
1: them. devote some time to
0: talking about them. Yeah, I definitely agree. Cool. And give a shout out to everybody that participated. Yes. Et cetera. That week, that, <laughs> that next week on Cast, that's, that's right. what you said. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Question from Andre: Why do AAA games discount so early after release? Can you discuss your own views and policy regarding discounts of your games? I do have thoughts on this. I think this is going do to be do. more about you know our own thoughts on
1: discounts. Um, I don't really know why AAA studios discount their titles so early. Yeah, necessarily. I I would expect that it's because you know for a big studio, uh, this is what I've heard. Right, is that the launch date is kind of the everything. Right? Yes, and so I think that what you see and what we talked about, and you know, also what we've heard from other indie developers, right, is that there's more of a long tail. You know, when we talk about Jake Burkett and his eleven years without an indie hit, yeah. type of situation, right, where it's more about uh, consistent, and not, you know, not necessarily quantity over quality, right, but like having a, a bigger catalog that has a longer tail, right. Yeah. Um, and so, but I think that you know what I've heard about the AAA industry is that it's more based around these like large, you know, events like, you know, you always hear these things like, you oh, know, Diablo three, you sold the most amount of copies of anything ever on day one or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's probably not true anymore. I'm sure there's another game. that's eclipsed it by now, but um, yeah, because it does GTA seem like last. the launches are the big points where they really want to drive sales. And after that, they probably see a huge drop off. And so they're like, you know, I think it's just like a faster, right? It's the same process that you would go through as an indie developer, right? It's just it happens more quickly.
0: Yeah. Right. Here's a rough guess of mine would be some of those really big games might have stuff like billboards, right? Or like, no joke, the entire side of a building has been decaled with this huge promo art for this game and stuff, right? And so they want that to be before launch. They want it to to be there at launch for sure. And it'll bleed into it a bit after, right? And those kinds of things, like the physical goods in the world, they need to be taken down. You know, like you have to hire people to go back and take that billboard, uh, you know, the, the display off and put up a new one, that kind of thing, Right. So, sometimes I think they might discount to get like the a little bit of uh, more interest or sales right before that stuff goes down. Completely talking with a tiger hat on here, but just a rough guess. I think that that makes sense, right? I, I think that, you know, big
1: media kind of works that way, right? Where it's like they really have to maximize that initial push, you know, because it's and so
0: expensive, right? Like you yeah. want to get that value out of there. Right, exactly.
1: And so they want to like discount it while it's still fresh in people's minds because, you know, as we all know, right? Like, Even a game that's really interesting, um, you know, once it's been out for like a year, you know, you don't necessarily hear about it as much, right? Even if it's like still providing some decent long tail sales, right? But I think it's, again, like not what the AAA studios need. They need large revenue spikes probably, especially to offset all of the advertising, whatever else. And their huge development budgets probably. Right. Anyways, that's interesting uh tiger hat on for that one because obviously we don't really know <laughs> no what we are yeah. talking about but. we have not
0: yeah i worked at big triple a studios um i should ask my brother about that he might although you know the bigger you get the more isolated it is right yeah he'd be like i don't know man i, I make 3d models like i don't even know the marketing guys and I'd be like oh all right yeah, that's true like but <laughs> i thought don't you guys, guys have like internal memos or could you go well, look you, up spending or something remember when we were working
1: at yahoo right it was like yeah oh yeah <laughs> i was just a cog in the machine right like i just i wrote my javascript and my html for one specific site in a vast yeah. thing of other sites and like yep. i had no idea what the pmo organization was doing a lot of times or product i mean within my own team sure but like you know even then even
0: then yeah even then it was like
1: <laughs> i wasn't invited to that meeting i don't know what's going on yeah <laughs> we're doing some marketing
0: spend what uh, i don't know okay Matt, can you what help me, you the me email here? right jeff yeah. do you know anyone who works on yahoo mail and you're like uh, actually yeah i guess i could forward you to somebody but that's not what i do right yeah well, yeah even then true. like a lot of times it would be like i
1: like know this person's name because i've seen them on the internal mailing lists but like i don't like i don't have the kind of rapport with them where i could be like hey blah 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 right they'd be like who are you i'm like i'm a coworker of yours out of like, the oh, 14,000 other color other
0: We got into it on Develop Front End. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you liked spaces, that. didn't you, instead of tabs or something. Sorry about that. Anyway, I need a favor now. <laughs> 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 Hooray. Uh, so we have seen the indie side, uh, and we've seen the Steam side of discounts and stuff. We've even got some perspective on Humble. We were in Humble Roguelike Bundle 2. I believe, yeah, and so I mean, it's not a great perspective. it doesn't have too many um you know multiple sources, and it's limited, so take that with a grain of salt, like whatever we have to say, but uh, here's my thoughts on like, so say a wizard lizard, that's a game where we really did put it out relatively strong price at first fourteen ninety nine right, like that's um that's the upper end of an indie game, um thirty would be probably the max that you see but like a, a strong offering usually goes for 15 we went for that. Uh but over the years we have really like not only has it been discounted harder like now the base price is 10 bucks. We've also diced it up, right? Put it out to sale. Uh I think the deepest discount was 90% for probably a steam summer or winter sale and then <clears throat> through Humble you could pay what you want and the way that works out is, you know, your average price that people end up paying is is the pennies, right? Right, yeah. Uh, it's less than less than a dollar for sure so um we've seen the whole perspective like the you know up and down in the a w l so people have bought it for fourteen ninety nine people have also bought it for pennies i think that uh that we discounted
1: way too early as well I agree on that, yeah, and I think that like you know honestly uh i i mean, aside from the humble rogue like bundle, i think that on the other bundles we well we did weren't worth it weren't worth it at all right like the revenue is so small, and, you know, it sort of devalues the game, right? And, like, uh, it does yeah, It somebody, or maybe it was Steam Spy, I don't remember who was talking about it, but, like, you know, there are people with alerts, basically, right? Yes. That, that will buy your game when it goes on sale. Like, yeah. the Steam Power users have tools to help them, you know, maximize their, their value, right? It's true. And so, like, uh, yeah, like, the conventional wisdom now is that you don't really want to discount heavily too fast, right? You want to let like, go slowly like you know,
0: 90%, 80%, 70%, you know, with a right. gap in between. So, the strategy with Soul Thief is it launched at 10% and so that's how much we'll put it on sale when sales come up, but that's it. We're not going to, you know, kind of screw over people by discounting it more than what they've paid while it's in early access, which as we know could be a while. With indie game sim, my strategy is going to be um, more like what you were saying. Where like people have these tools to get notified when it goes on sale, right? Yeah. Um. They also get notified. Like they know what the lowest price has been, right? So if like if it's been discounted ninety percent before or whatever, and I mark it down ten, they might be like, okay, ten percent is not bad, I guess. But it's been down before. I'll just wait, right? Right. So my strategy is going to be to lower it slowly over time. So like, you know, right now I would not discount it fifty percent. Wouldn't do it because the cheapest it has been is ten. Right. So I would consider 15, that kind of thing. And that's, uh, that's just going to be the strategy just because I haven't tried that before and I want to see, uh, what it does. I think it makes sense when you think about it. Right. Because basically, uh, for
1: anyone who's interested in your product, there's probably a price at which they're comfortable buying it. Right. And as soon as you hit that price, they'll buy it. But, you know, you don't want to like, you don't want to miss all the people that would buy it at a higher price too early, right? Great, Because, yeah. you know, it's it's especially for indie developers, right? It's like a trickle sometimes of traffic to your page or to your game or whatever, right? Right. And then if you're lucky, like, it catches, you know, um, you know, catches a lot of people and, like, it starts to get popular or whatever. But even then, you know, the first month that your game's out, you know you might have a huge spike of people but after that there's still be people trickling in and many of those people would probably buy it at 15 bucks perhaps
0: or whatever right yeah i feel like people like uh Lars Ducey that we talked to before um is is really good at knowing you know when and and how much discount and stuff and that's kind of like an art and a science there's no there's no hard and true answer right but a lot of it is um you know analyzing your data over time and experimenting and that's that's one of the reasons that i want to you know kind of try something that i haven't done before with IGS Just to see what uh, what What fruit that bears, yeah. Because like with with uh, lizard we talked about, it's kind of been all over the map, you know, high price and low price. With Soul Thief, it's pretty you know hard and and it's it's static really until it gets out of early access. And so within the game, someone try like that ramp down, I guess. Yeah. And I want to go really slow too, because as you mentioned earlier, that Jake Perquet talk, he was talking about um, maybe you don't ever participate in a bundle, maybe you don't ever deep discount. You know, like eighty percent off of your game—that is one deep ass. Fifty percent off, honestly, it's a really strong discount. Yeah, on a game, you know, and maybe you don't ever want to go that low, especially with something like Indie Game Sim. It's just eight bucks. And yeah, I know that, like, you know, there there are games a hundred times better for for just twice as much, or just even ten bucks. You know what I mean? Or half They're, as much. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's it's nothing to sniff at. But you know, if I give if I mark that seventy five percent off, that's that's going to be two bucks, and you know, Steam takes a chunk, and all of a sudden, like. You're not making any money on it, right? Not making no money. Not, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I I don't know.
1: It's a tough, you know, and there's also this kind of like gaming industry trend where things are getting cheaper, right? Especially like in mobile, right? Where we see a lot of advertising free to play, you know, you're kind of seeing like, there's still, you know, some premium games that do well, but you know, and same thing on steam, right? Like the discounts are a big thing. Like there's people that won't buy games outside of a discount at all. Um, (sighs) And so, I don't know, yeah. it's just, it's, there's this pressure to give in to the race to the bottom, I think, right. which is really hard as a developer to, to work with because, you know, they have, you know, people like are on the lookout for these lowest prices, right? And like, you want, like, where, where do you make that trade-off between having a really cheap game that gets onto the front page and, you know, the volume makes up for the discount, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's the only kind of thing that you can know by having a big portfolio and experimenting, you know, through right. multiple sources of data. And that's the thing, too, about um, not just the games industry in general, but especially Steam, is it changes so much that what was true for your last round of experimenting might not be true for the next round. You've really got to be very agile to to know how to, you know, maximize what you should do. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like,
1: I think that um, when we started working in the mobile industry, right, like, there was a really big uh push towards data, right, like data driven game design, yeah, and I think that uh that's something you can apply to marketing and sales as well, right, like how well did my games do last sale at what discount, and how many units did I sell, and then maybe you could extrapolate that to well, if I discounted another twenty percent, you know it would be reasonable to see an increase of x in terms of overall sales units moved right. Yeah. And so therefore units moved times sale price. Like, is that, is that a better number theoretically than a 10% discount only or whatever, you know, um, yeah. but again, like, yeah, you have to have the data. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because, you know, you really need del- data that's relevant to yourself, right? And sometimes the only way to get that is, you know, either by your peers sharing it, which many people do, which is great. Uh, or by just having the games and doing the sales yourself and seeing what the numbers look like, right? Like there's really nothing better than like, Hey, this is my game and this is how it performed last year at this time. And, uh, here's how it performed this year at this time. And like, Mm. you know, I can extrapolate that to, you know, next month, next year, next whatever.
0: That's true, man. I bet you almost nobody making indie games, at least on very small teams thinks about like that on a yearly cycle, right? Like, not just how is this game going to perform in its first year, but how will it perform in its third or fourth year? You know, like, that requires... You really got to have your publisher hat on and be thinking about, you know, long-term analytics and stuff. Because I think, you know, most developers probably in similar boats that we are, um, they're so focused on the game and they're zeroed in on developments. And, you know, once in a while they poke their heads up above uh, the ground and be like, oh, publisher stuff? (laughs) sales Uh, forecast uh, (laughs) market competition Uh uh-oh need uh, to think uh. about these things right i'm gonna two more weeks of winter time to go back (laughs) in my hole yeah groundhog day is coming up isn't it Uh uh-huh oh i gotta watch the movie again i love me some bill murray and that's one of his best in my opinion it is a very really excellent movie
1: uh i don't think bill has ever watched groundhog day maybe i'll make her watch it on groundhog day
0: oh you should prank her and like you find a version of it that's just the, the first scene over and over and over again. <laughs> She's like, does this movie go anywhere? And you're like, you're not getting it? It's hilarious. Prank her. She's Do like, it. this is terrible. It's a it's a great idea.
1: <laughs> it's a genius prank. Yes, but then I won't be able to make her watch the actual movie afterwards.
0: That's true. Just watch, the, just don't listen, don't listen to me. Just watch the damn movie. I,
1: I usually don't listen to you, don't worry. <laughs> I've learned my lesson many times on that one. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's it for this week hopefully that was some you know valuable insight on discounts (laughs) and uh, probably not but who knows jams and discounts yeah oh and don't forget to check out the jam array (laughs) games
0: yes I'll put a link in the show notes ship it Uh, it's imperfect you know but it can help